religion and life. Um, so you have to understand a little bit about the um, creation of the universe. Christians obviously believe that the universe didn't make itself, that it was designed and it was made by God, and they believe that God created everything out of nothing. So the Latin phrase for that is ex nihilo. The evidence for that is obviously Genesis 1, where it talks about God saying, let there be light, and God is therefore making light in that moment. Um, some Christians believe that the creation stories describe exactly word for word how the universe was created. They believe that the Bible has been inspired by God and it's therefore correct. Some believe, so more conservative Christians, would maybe argue that everything um, or days were slightly longer perhaps um, than six individual periods of 24 hours. So it represents a slightly longer time. Um, the Hebrew word, if you look at the Genesis account, is yom, and it actually has different meanings. So, for example, it could mean 12 hours of day- daylight, or it could mean a longer, more indefinite period of time. In contrast to this, liberal Christians regard these accounts, or Genesis accounts, much more like parables or symbols, where the main message is that God is powerful and that he, in some way, brought the world and the universe into being. Um, And these Christians might look to science to help them understand how God did this. So the main scientific theory that explains um, the creation of the universe and the origins of the universe is the Big Bang. And it suggests that the universe started with an incredibly small, hot, dense something, a singularity, a point, which expanded over the next 13.8 billion years or so to become the cosmos that we know today. And as the universe continued to expand and cool, the matter that had been flung in all directions become stars that are grouped together in galaxies. Now, the evidence for the Big Bang is mainly the redshift, which is the fact that when you look out into the universe, you are able to see red light reflected, and red light scientifically is evidence of things moving further away from each other. And logically then, if you were to rewind time and go back in time, all of these things that are moving far, further away from each other must have been at a single point at one point or other in time. Um, the next thing that you would need to understand is then evolution as um, the origins of human life. So in the story of Genesis 1, God created male and female humans on the final day of creation, where it says, so God made mankind in his own image, in the image of God who created them. And then the story in Genesis 2 gives a slightly different account of the creation of human beings. According to Genesis 2, Adam was formed by God from the soil, and God breathed life into him. And Adam was given the task of looking after a wonderful garden called Eden. Uh, Then God created animals and birds and finally a helper for Adam. While Adam was sleeping, God took one of his ribs and formed Eve, the first woman. And the intention was that they would live in a close relationship with God. Some Christians obviously believe that this story is literally true. The whole human race is descended from Adam and Eve. Other Christians would say it's not meant to be a scientific account, but is designed to show that humans are very special to God. They're created by him in his own image. Being in the image of God doesn't mean being physically the same as God. It means that humans have a spiritual nature like God, unlike the rest of creation. So they're able to relate with God in a special way. 
But science obviously disagrees with this. In 1859, Charles Darwin published a book called The Origin of Species. In this, he explains the theory of evolution, and he suggested that as the Earth cooled, conditions became right for the beginning of life. Single-cell creatures appeared in the sea, which over a long period of time evolved or changed into other species. And individuals from the same species can still be quite different from one another, one another because of the genes they inherit. Some individuals have certain genes that are more likely to increase their chance of survival. This means that they will breed successfully and pass their favourable genes on to their offspring. Darwin explained this process as the survival of the fittest. According to the theory of evolution, humans evolved over millions of years from other animals on land. Scientists have discovered bones from several different extinct species which they claim are possible ancestors of the human race. Humans are thought to have started evolving about 2.5 million years ago and developed into humans with the same anatomy to us around 200,000 years ago. Generally, atheists accept the theory of evolution because they think it best explains how life has developed on Earth. There's obviously um, evidence in the form of um, things that have been dug up, like fossils and skulls, etc., with, for, for atheists, they don't need to worry about what the theory implies about God's role in creation. Fundamentalist Christians believe that the origin of human life was exactly as recorded in Genesis, with God creating each species separately. While some accept the adaptation can occur within a species, they do not believe there is enough evidence to prove that creatures evolve. Some Christians believe in God as the creator, but they also accept the theory of evolution, so that will be a liberal Christian. They believe that the Bible is concerned with why it happened, while scientists would be more concerned with how it happened. Some Christians say it happened because God designed and created the beginnings of life and set everything in motion to develop over the course of history. They believe that evolution is the way God designed life to advance and evolve. And if God is all-powerful, then obviously he is able to do that. It's important to look at the value of the world Christians regard the world as a priceless gift from God that is loaned to humans as a result of his love. Uh, you talk about wonder and awe. Um, it's complex and fascinating. There are two kind of approaches to how Christians should look after or treat the world. Firstly is stewardship. Stewardship is the idea that believers have a duty to look after the environment on behalf of God. Because he's given us that privilege, we have responsibility he gave that privilege first to Adam. Think about Bible verses that talk about looking after the earth, such as um, do not muzzle on ox or do not cut down trees. But the uh, um, opposing view is that of dominion. And in order to manage the earth, Christians teach that humans were given the power and authority to rule over the world. This is known as having dominion, to be in charge of something. Where it says, uh, God said, rule over the fish, the sea and the birds of the air. A few Christians, a real minority, have interpreted subduing the world, where it says fill the earth and subdue it in Genesis, meaning that literally people can do whatever they like with it because they are in charge. The majority of Christians, however, would um, be stewards. So in Genesis 1, creation story repeats several times and God saw that it was good. This indicates that the creation kind of has its own value in God's eyes. So you need to understand a little bit about how badly humans are kind of treating the um, the world at the moment. Think about different environmental issues such as deforestation or using up 
um, fossil fuels. Maybe Christians would think it would be important to recycle or um, to help kind of like charities that are trying to um, create renewable energy sources, etc. Again, issues with pollution, um, different types of pollution, land, water, air pollution. A lot of Christians think it's important to work together to try to tackle this because the world is just on loan to us. You need to understand a bit about um, the use and abuse of animals. Christians believe that animals were created by God for humans to use and care for. Many believe that God values animals, but that humans are more important because they are created in God's image and that human beings have a soul. Um, reasons why we're kind of more important also is after the flood, Noah is given permission to eat meat. It says in Genesis, everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. But the Bible does treat that animals are to be treated kindly. Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading the grain. It says in Deuteronomy, the righteous care for the needs of their animals. It says in Proverbs. Animal experimentation is an interesting one because scientists are often testing new products such as medicine, cosmetics, etc. on animals. Um, testing cosmetics on animals was banned in the UK in 1998. Most Christians support this because it's not necessary whereas um, animal testing may be supported as a safe way to develop medicines because human beings are more important. could talk about situation ethics here, that it's maybe the more loving thing to do. Think about now whether Christians should eat meat or not. Um, according to Romans 14.2, Christians have the choice to be meat eaters or vegetarians or whatever. The one who eats everything talking about including meat therefore must not treat with contempt the one who does not and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does for god has accepted them most christians do eat meat it appears that jesus definitely ate fish in the bible so often people don't see it it's a particularly big um, ethical issue for christians the kind of second half of this topic then is um, a bit more about medical ethics um so firstly, let's have a look at abortion. So abortion is the removal of a fetus from the womb to end a pregnancy before a child is born. It happens naturally when a woman has a miscarriage, but abortion usually refers to the deliberate termination of it. So before 1967 in the UK, abortion is illegal. And then the 1990 Human Fertilisation and Embryology Act, abortion uh, becomes allowed up to the 24th week of pregnancy, in a licensed clinic if two doctors agree that one of the following conditions applies. So for instance, if the woman's life is in danger, if the pregnancy continues, or there is a risk to the woman's physical and mental health, or that there will be a risk that the baby will be born with physical disabilities, etc. There is, however, no time limit if the mother's life is in danger or the fetus is severely deformed. Christians believe in the sanctity of life and that humans are made in the image of God. Life is sacred and precious and a God-given blessing. The Bible states that before birth, God has given each person a purpose in life. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Other nice verses are, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Um, and made in the image of God. Like within Christianity, there are some massively contrasting beliefs um, towards abortion. 
The Catholic Church would argue that life begins at conception. Therefore, abortion is seen to be totally wrong. Um, The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. There's a time to be born, a time to die. They also believe in natural law and therefore interfering with God's plan would be wrong. Catholics only believe in something called the doctrine of double effect, which is when your intention is uh, good. So, for instance, you could give a woman life-saving treatment that side effect was that her unborn baby died, but your intention wasn't to kill a baby. So it's something about saying that if your intention is to save life, but the side effect is that someone dies, then that may be acceptable. Other Christian denominations oppose abortion, but they might say it's acceptable in some circumstances. For instance, if the pregnancy is the result of rape or the child will be severely disabled. Church of England and Methodist churches say that sometimes it's the lesser of two evils and the most loving thing to do. For example, if the quality of life of the baby looks like it will be extremely poor. Um, Arguments for and against uh, abortion more generally. Pro-choice groups such as abortion rights would agree with legalised abortion because they think that the woman has rights to her own body and her life comes first. Therefore, she gets to make the decision. Pro-choice groups also believe that human life doesn't really start until birth or at the earliest at viability, which is the time from which a fetus can survive outside of the womb. So the mother's life is therefore more valuable. Pro-life groups would argue that life begins at conception because all DNA is present to create a unique individual and that these, the unborn child needs to be protected just the same as a person. Next issue you need to look at is euthanasia. So there are different types of euthanasia. Um, the word euthanasia comes from two Greek words, eu, as in EU, which means good, and thanatos, which... Uh, means death so euthanasia means a good or gentle death and the intention is to end the life of someone who is in pain or has a poor quality of life so different types of euthanasia then voluntary euthanasia is when a person asks a doctor to end their life because they don't wish to live anymore a non-voluntary non-voluntary euthanasia is when a person is too ill to request to die for example because they're in a coma but the doctor will choose to end their life for them because it's thought it would be in their best interests. Involuntary euthanasia is when the person is able to provide consent, uh, but does not, either because they do not want to or because they're not asked, but their life is ended anyway. Then there are forms in the active euthanasia where active steps are taken to end someone's life, or passive euthanasia when doctors stop providing treatment or do something um, that is intended to quicken the natural process. For example, when a person is not resuscitated after a heart attack. All uh, forms of euthanasia are currently illegal in the UK and are treated as murder or manslaughter, but a medical decision may be made to withhold or withhold treatment. Uh, Christian beliefs. Many Christians believe that taking a life is interfering with God's plan, is undermining the sanctity of life. They would think it's comparable to murder and they would think that if euthanasia was legalised it could potentially lead to those who are old feeling pressure to ask for euthanasia in order not to burden their families. They would argue that maybe only God has the right to take away life at a chosen time. Some Christians do support euthanasia and believe that 
drugs that are used to end a suffering person's life are God-given and should be used if it's the most loving thing to do. They believe that God has given people free will, so they should be able to choose when to end their lives. And the last little bit then of this topic is just about death and the afterlife. So generally, atheists believe that at death, one ceases to exist. They don't believe in an afterlife. They don't believe that people have souls. Christians believe that death is not the end and that God judges whether a person will spend eternity in heaven or hell. The Catholic Church believes in purgatory, where souls undergo purification in order to achieve the necessary holiness to to get to heaven. Some Christians believe in immediate judgment or particular judgment on death and the transition to heaven and hell. Others believe that they shall wait until the day of judgment and the return of Jesus. This might be referred to as general judgment. Uh, Christians point to the resurrection of Jesus as evidence of the afterlife, also the Apostles' Creed, where it says, I believe in the resurrection of the body. Christians believe that heaven is indescribably wonderful and is where God resides. In Revelation, it describes John's vision of the throne room of God, where he sees everyone worshipping God. In Revelation 21, it says that God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed. But on the other hand, the Bible says that hell was originally designed for Satan and his demons. Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. But it's also described as a place of punishment for the unrighteous, a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's described as a place of torment. There are different Christian interpretations of these descriptions. Some take them as literally true. Many think they symbolise the frustration of not being able to be in the presence of God. Hell is portrayed as something to be avoided. Obviously, you can use evidence of people like Ian McCormack, who suggests that they have had a near-death experience um, and they've kind of seen heaven. Uh, There's a few interesting things about life after death. Talk about maybe eschatological verification which is a philosophical idea that you can't possibly know that that heaven or hell exists until after you die, so therefore it's not really evidence. Talk about the fact that there's no empirical evidence for it. Is it just about believing in it out of comfort or because people don't want to um, face the truth or something like that?